Hello and welcome to the Sincere Yogi Podcast, a podcast for yogis just like you who are seeking more from their yoga practice that you can't get in your average studio class. My name is Sarah and I'll be your host. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much for being here. I am so incredibly excited to talk to you all today about my personal journey with yoga and how I became a yoga instructor. I am currently a 200-hour certified yoga instructor through the Yoga Alliance, and I am working towards my 300-hour certification through an apprenticeship in Ashtanga Yoga and the Universal Method of Yoga. I am so incredibly excited to finally be working on my 300-hour certification, learning more, and sharing my journey and what I learn along the way with all of you. But first, I want to dive into my first few experiences with yoga and how it led me to my teacher training and ultimately to where I am right now recording this podcast for all of you. I was first introduced to Eastern philosophy back in high school, actually, during my junior year. I was part of a program called Global Education, and in Global Ed, it took up your history and your language arts credit and focused on international relations, political science, and worldview and culture. And as a part of my curriculum in junior year, we read the book Siddhartha, which if you haven't heard of Siddhartha, it is the story of the Buddha. So Siddhartha was my very first introduction to Eastern philosophy. And in that global ed class, we also did some guided meditations and gentle mindful breathing exercises to get a taste of Eastern philosophy and the cultural practices that go along with it. Along with reading Siddhartha in Global Ed, I actually was in PE as a junior because I was an orchestra, so I had to take gym as an upperclassman, and in gym, we had a short unit on yoga. We focused on mobility, on some seated postures, and the importance of stretching out your muscles before and after any type of workout or physical activity. So while it wasn't the most traditional approach to yoga at all, it was definitely my first taste of the physical practice, of some of the breath work, of the mindfulness, along with the philosophies of the practice at a very kind of crucial part in my life during junior year when you're stressed out and applying to colleges. And from there, I developed a really deep appreciation and curiosity for Eastern philosophies and, in general, just other views on life. I had grown up in a religious environment, so this idea of something more or something deeper, this idea of consciousness was already something that I guess you could say you explore in other religious and spiritual practices. So when I came across So when I came across more Eastern philosophies, I was just immediately intrigued on how do they view it? How do they view life? I didn't really come back to yoga, though, until I was a freshman in college. And 
I actually remember the very first yoga class I took was a result of me sitting in my friend's dorm room, really upset about something, I don't even know what now, and her finally just turning to me and being like, I'm going to yoga tonight, I think you'd really benefit from it, come with me. And it took a little convincing, but I eventually caved and said, fine, I'll go with you. And that first yoga class, oh my gosh, it was humbling. It was relatable. I really felt as though I really felt as though I was able to hone into my breath and my body and kind of leave what didn't matter at the door. It was a great way for me to come back to a space of an objective viewpoint on whatever situation I had been upset about. And I remember after just one class being like, oh my gosh, if I could provide that same type of environment that this teacher just gave me, one where I can just hone in and focus and really pay attention to what matters and move forward accordingly, I would be so fulfilled. And that's when I knew I wanted to be a yoga instructor, but I also knew that I was nowhere near ready to teach yoga when I could barely practice yoga myself. So after that first class, I spent $40 on a first-time student monthly membership. So I got it at a super discounted rate, and I literally squeezed that membership for every penny that it was worth going to the studio to practice every single day, sometimes twice a day, because I was so in love with this practice. Now, Now, the studio that I was practicing at was a Baptiste Vinyasa-style yoga. Baptiste yoga is, is typically considered a power yoga practice, and in the Baptiste style, usually what you'll see in terms of sequencing is moving through sun salutations very quickly to build up heat, and then moving through some standing sequences, some balancing, and some more challenging postures. So it's a very heated practice, and it is a little bit more fast-paced. And I absolutely loved every minute of it for the challenge of it because it gave me a lot of confidence to continue to pursue what I was pursuing. However, something that I did feel I missed was a lot of the deeper aspects of the practice. The teacher that I first took class with, who was able to integrate some philosophy into her teaching and into the asana classroom, had since left the studio, and I was constantly searching for somebody who could teach a class the way that she taught it, who could connect kind of all of the different pieces of the puzzle that is yoga, which is a nearly impossible task to do in a 60-minute asana style class. So it was pretty hard shoes to fill. And when my first month of that unlimited yoga package was up, I was locked into a student rate, which was a little more pricey and something that at the time I couldn't justify, even though I really wanted to be able to practice at the studio every day. However, I'm very grateful because there were a lot of opportunities both at that studio and other studios around town for 
discounted rates such as community classes, $5 part classes, and other student rates for drop-ins that allowed me to keep up with my practice in a studio and forced me to try different styles of yoga. And if it wasn't for me kind of taste testing different studios and seeing what I liked and what I wanted to learn more of, I wouldn't have been able to find a good 200-hour teacher training that really fit my needs. The 200-hour teacher training that I found was actually right around the corner from where I would be staying next year off campus, and I was so excited because I could practically walk to the studio from the house that me and my friends would be renting. And when I went to practice at the studio for the very first time, I knew that this was where I wanted to learn. The studio itself was very minimal in terms of style. The teacher was very in tune with her students' breath and with how the room was set up with the lights, with the music. It created a setting where I felt as though I could really dive deep without all of the little extra bells and whistles. This teacher was also a lot more challenging than the teachers I had previously had in the past because this teacher wanted you to hold postures for a little bit longer and really refine your movements in each pose, which I learned to love during my teacher training. After that class, I went back home. I applied to the teacher training. I had an interview to see if the teacher training was a good fit. And in that interview, I totally lied and said that I had been practicing yoga for two full years. I had only been practicing yoga for a year and it was not consistent at all. So I knew that if I got into this teacher training, I would really have to take myself seriously and do my best to integrate this practice, not only in the studio when I was on the mat or when I was in my training, but also off my mat so that I could get every aspect of learning as possible out of that training. Now, in retrospect, was it a good idea to lie in order to get accepted into my teacher training? No. I learned very early on that lying is not something that we typically promote in a yogic lifestyle. And while I felt guilty, I do feel as though the fact that I had lied really did light that fire underneath my butt to ensure that I was on top of my game. Because not only was I the least experienced, but I was also the youngest, and I felt a little too far over my head. But But regardless, my experience was perfect in its timing and how everything just sort of fell into place in terms of my teaching after that. Of course, when I first started, there was a lot that I needed to learn, both physically within the asana practice, the postures, but but also from a philosophy standpoint and more of the mental disciplines of the practice, which is what I really wanted to learn and I was so excited. So when we finally discussed these mental aspects of the practice, the yamas and the niyamas, I was mind blown and immediately tried to implement them into my life because I wanted to ensure that I did everything I could to get the most out of this program. To get the most out of this program because once again, I felt like a little bit of an underdog. It was about halfway through my teacher training program that I actually started to teach at the studio that I was training at. And at first I was only subbing classes here and there. And then I started to sub some regularly. And then once I got my certification, I started to get classes full 
time, which was really exciting for me as a fresh teacher out of teacher training. I was so eager to share everything I had just learned. And I was still very fresh on integrating a daily practice into my everyday life. I, of course, branched out from the studio that I learned from and started to take jobs around town, teaching at some rec centers, at some gyms, even at some country clubs and universities. So it was really fun to see all of the different ways that we can bring this practice to people to help them live a little more mindfully in their daily lives. Now, within a year of being a certified yoga teacher and teaching, I did have a full-time roster of classes. I was teaching an upwards of 16 classes a week while also going to school full-time, which was insane to me. I don't even know how I did it. But during this period, I did start to fall away from my personal practice. Now, Even though my teacher training was a vinyasa-style teacher training, which, similar to Baptiste, vinyasa has many different subcategories and is probably the most diverse definition of a specific asana practice that we have today in the West. However, my personal practice was Ashtanga Yoga, and Ashtanga Yoga is a set series of postures which I found to be incredibly beneficial in keeping me grounded and what I like to say keeping me sane during this portion of my life. However, the busier I got, the less and less I started to practice, and because there were no Ashtanga yoga studios near me, I wasn't actively seeking out studios and classes to kind of keep me motivated even when I really didn't want to make it to my mat that day. But of course, the more that I was teaching, the more opportunities arose for me to start teaching things like private lessons or large group classes at events. It was an incredibly fun time to teach, but it was also at the sacrifice of my personal practice most days. And after I graduated college, I knew that I really wanted to go back to being a student of yoga again. I wanted to resubmerse myself in the yoga practice, and I really wanted to further my education with a 300-hour teacher training. So after college, my partner and I moved to Oahu, Hawaii. That has nothing to do with yoga. However, I was very fortunate to find an Ashtanga yoga studio on island. And even though it took me nearly a year to walk into that studio and start practicing, I did eventually find my very first Mysore style class and was able to learn Ashtanga in a more traditional way through the guidance of a Mysore practice with accredited teachers. Now, I didn't go back to being a regular Ashtanga practitioner until this last year, because when I first moved, I was working so much, I was hiking all the time, I was swimming, I was rock climbing. We were really active, and I was also teaching at some of the most popular times for yoga classes, which meant that most days I missed out on opportunities to practice in a studio. So I really wanted to find a style of yoga that could help me with my current busy lifestyle, and that was yin yoga. So for the first few years of me living on island, I was intermittently practicing ashtanga. I was going to workshops and masterclasses and continuing my education, but my home practice was very mellow, very nurturing 
centering, practicing yin yoga, bringing myself back at the end of the day, starting my day with gentle breath work. And that's where I really developed an appreciation for some of the softer aspects of the yoga practice. Now, right as I was about to dive back into a more submersive studio-based learning with my yoga practice, the pandemic hit. And right before the pandemic, I had left my current job and was really looking to take my teaching full-time and go back to learning and being a student again. And of course, the pandemic comes in and ruins the plans, which if that's not the story you've heard for the past three years, I don't know what is. But I did end up going back to work part-time during the pandemic And I was able to do some more of my own home studies because there were more opportunities to learn online and there was really not a whole lot to do. Yes, we could go outside, but for the most part, we were contained. And that led me to reading more books and doing more self-inquiry based practices. So while it wasn't the most convenient situation at the time, I did really benefit from having the time to slow down and kind of focus more so on my self-study, which I know not everybody had the opportunity to do, and I am very fortunate in the fact that I was able to do so. Once the island started opening back up about two years later, I started to teach again in person, and that led me to teach at one of our local climbing gyms. And at that gym, I had met who is now my current teacher in the Ashtanga Yoga and Universal Methods of Yoga for my 300-hour teacher training. He is the studio manager at the Rock Climbing Gym and one of my close friends. I'm hoping to bring him on here for an episode at a future date, so stay tuned. But he is the one who got me back onto a regular Ashtanga yoga practice schedule. And I'm very fortunate to have the opportunity to learn Ashtanga yoga under him and learn how to teach Ashtanga and Mysore styles. So I'm just beginning the process, but after my apprenticeship is over, I will have learned Ashtanga yoga and the Mysore style of practice, as well as the universal yoga method. And universal yoga really brings in a lot of that philosophy, a lot of the mental disciplines, as well as some deep energetic work with pranayama and meditation. So I'm incredibly excited to dive deeper into these two different styles of yoga and share my experiences and what I learn along the way with all of you. When I first started practicing yoga in college and I didn't always have the opportunity to go into a studio, I would look up yoga flows on YouTube and Google for blog posts on anatomy and physiology and go to other resources in order to learn more about this practice. So I'm incredibly excited to return the favor and create this resource for all of you, as well as get the conversation going about these daily practices of yoga. Thank you so much for tuning in, and if you enjoyed this podcast, please give me a rating and a review so that I can continue to create content for you. Thank you for joining me on the Sincere Yogi Podcast. If you want to deepen your yoga and meditation practice, check out my workshops and masterclasses on the Playbook app or join my guided meditation series on Insight Timer. If you just want to stop by, say hi, and see what's up, you can find me at The Sincere Yogi on Instagram.